I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek. And this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hi, Warriors. As the pandemic lingers on, what are the lasting effects on parents and kids? How are they dealing with the stress and trauma? I'm getting sound advice today from a woman who not only helps parents and kids heal their trauma, but is a trauma survivor herself. Turning your pain into purpose can be incredibly liberating for women who have felt the deep pain of shame, violence, and oppression. This is an important discussion about how you get out of the struggle and choose yourself. If you're ready to drop the hustle and struggle and want to learn the tools to get you want to go in your life, save your spot this fall in my 12-week program, Limitless Warrior. This program is how I was able to literally change every area of my life and find the happiness that had been so elusive. Limitless Warrior is about sustainable change. Find out more at limitless-warrior.com. Okay, Warriors, sending you so much love. Let's get on with the show. But first... Ladies, money is not a dirty word. It's a great word. And I'm thrilled to tell you that the Broad Network is launching the Wealthy Women Summit, or WeWo. The WeWo Summit is not your typical conference with lanyards and cold coffee. Hosted by the Broad Network on August 25th and 26th, 2022, on the Sir Winston Yacht in Long Beach, the Wealthy Women Summit is for anyone looking to expand their wealth in mind, body, health, leadership, business, and community. Join us for two impactful days where we'll dive into the concept that wealthy living is a mindset and commitment to a value of your own self-worth. You can learn more and get tickets at wewosummit.com. That's W-E-W-O summit.com. Let's talk about money and let's be wealthy women together. Okay, Warriors, today on the show, Ronnie Viamente. Ronnie is a licensed clinical social worker with over 25 years of experience in counseling, expecting and new moms, parents, children's, and teens. 
She has worked in various inpatient and outpatient programs, including Children's Hospital Los Angeles and USC Medical Center, the Pump Station, and Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. The family room is what Ronnie calls her psychotherapy practice, focusing on the challenges of pregnancy, postpartum, parenting, marriage, and family life. From infertility, pregnancy, and birth loss, postpartum and mental health and motherhood, to depression, anxiety, trauma, and grief in kids, teens, and adults, Ronnie offers therapy for everyone, individuals, couples, families, and groups. The family room is for real people in real life. And Ronnie, welcome to the show. Hey, Liz. Thank you for having me. So excited. Oh my God. I met Ronnie at a dinner party and we were like all over each other. We were like, what's oh going God. on? With you? Are you? What do you Beyond. do? What's Beyond. your thing? <laughs> we loved each other. So I'm so excited. You're, you've done my mastermind. I can say that because you left me a testimonial. You've Absolutely. Mind, and we have gotten to know each other, but I'm so excited you're going to be on the podcast today because I feel like there's, you have such wisdom, like as a therapist in this time, I can't even imagine you have one <laughs> opening ever, but I'm really excited to kind of ask you some things that I think the warrior women need to know. So let's get into it because you know, I let's usually get into ask, it. I usually ask about like all the women who come on the show actually about their childhood. Now you had bravely shared with me that you had some trauma as a child, but that that affected your sense of safety and worthiness, something we're always talking about in, you know, whether it's the group program or the mastermind, we're always talking about it. Will you share just whatever you are willing to share about that with the warrior woman today? Absolutely. And so thank you for that question. You know, first and foremost, as a first generation, you know, Filipino American, you know, you don't talk about your feelings, <laughs> you don't talk about your struggles openly. And so I buried my childhood sexual trauma by a family friend for years. And so I did not feel safe. I did not feel enough. I did not feel worthy. I didn't feel valued or respected, certainly. And it was really, you know, these immense, deep feelings of mistrust of people, the world, you know, myself that impacted my choices. And so for most of my adolescent and adult life, I really just carried such intense shame and self-blame for this trauma. And it wasn't until, you know, 2022 that I made this commitment to myself that healing would be my focus. And it's only been recently through the work of working with my own therapist and being a part of this incredible women's group that I finally let go of this self-blame, like layer by layer. And, you know, with my work, I really turned my pain into and supporting, you know, children, teens, adults, you know, to help them find their voice, to help them find their worth and to feel empowered. Um, and to accept that their trauma does not have to define them and that their past is only a chapter and not their whole story. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you're such a great example of what we've talked about in the mastermind and other things is that, you know, there's no healed, healed no. with an ED. You know, we have to kind of paradigm shift away from that healing is like has a beginning, a middle and an end and you're done. Because a lot of women come to me and they say, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get over this? Why can't I push mm -hmm. past this? What's wrong with me? And I want to say, there's nothing wrong with you. You're healing. Healing is a process. It's a journey. It's not that you just heal and you're done. You know, there's other layers, you know, as you get older, things become 
more apparent. Like when you have your own kids, right? Mm-hmm. You, you start to realize things like, oh my God, I was this age when this mm-hmm. happened to me. And mm-hmm. my God, I was an innocent person. And all those things that are so traumatizing. Mm-hmm. So you, you're so amazing, Ronnie, because you not only do you help people in this work, but you are doing that work yourself and giving mm-hmm. yourself the space and the grace to just you know, safely explore it and not put the pressure on yourself to just like, I need to just get this done. Like be resilient, get it done, move it through, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One, one step at a time. And I always say to the moms that I work with that parenting is so hard because your children reflect back at you what you need to work on. (laughs) And I remember my therapist when I was pregnant with with my first kid or second kid, I can't remember, but she said, Ronnie, work on your stuff now before your kids <laughs> come around because you just won't have as much time. You just won't have as much time. I remember that clear as day. And I say that to every mother that I work with now. Yeah. And you know every what? You're so with. right. I mean, I've made the funniest case when you said children reflect back to us. I was like, wow, like, <laughs> um, but, but really, you know, that is actually true. And, yeah. you know, they also reflect back our traumas. So absolutely anything that we're triggered and trauma by, they will reflect back to us, which mm. makes us feel very antagonistic towards our kids because mm-hmm. we're like, why are you showing me this thing about me that I hate, you know, yes. but they really, truly do it. So oh, it's do. something to pay attention to. What should you do if you are feeling like your kid is triggering you for some things that maybe you need to be working on? What is a way you can kind of deal with that as a parent? I mean, I think awareness is always the first step. Always knowing what is yours and what is not. And then breathing. (laughs) breathing. Breathing so that you are responsive rather than reactive. And then when a misstep happens and, you know, parents make mistakes all the time that you have the courage to repair because our children always value our efforts in trying to do better and be better always. Yeah. And it's okay okay to admit that you didn't handle a situation well, that you weren't at your best moment, apologize and say, you know, this was not, I was not having my best day. So is this sort of what made you become a therapist? I mean, Mm -hmm. I almost could think in my mind, my God, if once you've suffered childhood, you know, sexual trauma, you could really have burned yourself out, Ronnie. Like you, you could have gone down a really scary road. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when I finally remembered, again, it was buried so deeply, like it was not in my consciousness. When I finally remembered, you know, several years later, I was so traumatized and depressed that I sought help from my first therapist, who was my high school counselor. And it was her that I finally you know, felt seen. I felt heard, understood, supported, validated. And, you know, I've worked with several therapists during the course of my life, you know, for various reasons. And, you know, they, the process, the work have been so impactful and meaningful and life-changing that I really wanted to give back. And to pay it forward because, you know, to hold, to guide, to give voice to those that I work with during their most vulnerable moments, to be witnessed and to be inspired by their resilience, it is spiritual to me. It is, you know, soulful work. And, you know, it was interesting. (laughs) It was interesting. At first, when I went to college, I was pre-med because I was fulfilling my parents' dreams. I failed every single one of my science courses, Liz. Oh my God. I, I, Talk I, about failed every, I failed every single one. 
Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. I'm doing it for them, not for me. And when I took my first psychology course my freshman year, I felt at home. I really did. You're like, this is my world. <laughs> this is my, <laughs> this is my world. This is my language, you know? And, you know, my own personal journey with, you know, with grief and trauma has paralleled my, you know, professional life in, you know, in so many ways, right? I mean, my entire career has focused on grief and trauma of some kind, you know, from child abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, verbal, witnessing domestic violence, children and women with cancer, eating disorders to postpartum depression and anxiety. And, you know, when I became a mom 17 years ago, I definitely experienced postpartum anxiety hands down, without a doubt, you know, Which I was, by the way, it's still yeah. not like handled at all. Like I, no. I feel like we are in the dark ages in terms of postpartum and how we treat uh, women and how we investigate that and what we do. We just are still seeing these reports of these women who will do the unthinkable to their kids. And I, I want to say to myself all the time, like, who is like, who is intervening? Where's the intervention, you know, like mm -hmm. before this goes down. So mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. it's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. And again, you know, change is happening. More awareness of, you know, perinatal mental health challenges is happening. So there's more visibility about it, but absolutely. I agree with you that there has to be some systemic change when it comes to maternal mental health, you know, but again, you know, 17 years ago, you know, even as a therapist, I was like, I, 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 I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening here. I should, all the shoulds, right? I should do better. I should know better. I should, you know, but I was hypervigilant again with my trauma history. Totally makes sense. Like so anxious about everything, wanting to control everything, feeling so out of control, irritable, edgy, you know, agitated, couldn't sleep, you know, felt alone and isolated. And I was drowning, you know, in my anxiety and I didn't get the support that I needed until I joined my first mommy me group. And yeah. I found my village. I found my people, you know, and it was, I saw myself in, you know, in them and the other moms. And I, you know, felt this real sense of, you know, community and navigating like this world of the unknown, you know, together. And it was my mommy and me teacher who actually encouraged me to facilitate, you know, mother's groups myself. And so when I returned to work after a few years of being a full-time stay-at-home mom, you know, I embraced maternal mental health as part of my psychotherapy practice. And I just feel so passionate about supporting parents. It's I like, think it's I love, so, uh, it's love. So, I, I never forget my first like mommy and me experience. Oh, yeah. Then I even broke off and had my own mommy and me group that I just uh, did, of course, was so shocking um, that I just did for my friends and I would plan <laughs> like the programming. This is like my early mastermind days. If you think right. about it, like this is, the, but honestly, I, you know, you're right. That was like a lifeline, like just to lifeline. another woman, like, Oh, your kid does that too. I'm not alone. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Jesus. Like you yeah. just were so, yeah. you know, wired for, you know, just wired up and crazy. Yeah. You mm -hmm. Thought everything was going to go wrong. Switching gears. I want to talk about the pandemic a little mm -hmm. bit because even mm -hmm. though, you know, we've gotten to a sort of point where we're managing it, it's still mm -hmm. kind of raging on. People are starting, oh, yeah. everyone I know is starting to get COVID again, which really annoys me. Anyway, but it's had lasting effects on people that oh I God, were only uh, now scratching like starting to realize like, oh, this is actually oh, yeah. going to become a problem. So I think we're only scratching the surface. How, well, first of all, how did you get through the pandemic? Because I'm sure your phone was ringing off the hook and then you were just trying to have your own survival. Hello. And what are you what are you seeing in your practice? So how did you survive it? Uh -huh. What did you do? What did you what were you seeing and what are you seeing now? So what I did. I did a number of things. I resumed my daily meditation practice. 
And I did it with a group of friends, actually. So we were held accountable. I also started to journal. I was practicing gratitude anyway, but I was amping it up for sure. (laughs) And also including my husband and my boys in these practices as well. It's like emergency gratitude. Emergency. (laughs) Emergency level. Yeah. Totally. Be, you know, reaching out to friends and family, FaceTime was like my best friend, just feeling connected, right? Because we were so isolated. And, you know, we had a bubble family that we spent a lot of time with outdoors, and then we would travel together. And so we had, we had this ritual of having like a monthly getaway, like getting out of LA every single month. We started that in the pandemic and we're still doing it which is like amazing. My family and I would also take walks around the neighborhood. We would bike along the beach path, you know, and these like monthly getaways, we would go camping and hiking and wine tasting and snowboarding and surfing. And, you know, we would spend outside time every day and dance was my therapy. It still is. It's my I love space. Ronnie that you love. did. First of all, love. I want everyone to know that Ronnie is, I <laughs> thought she was five, seven because we met on a Zoom. Or no, we met at the dinner party, but oh, we met. had heels on her. So, we were sitting. Yeah. Why don't we go to dinner and you are how tall? Barely five feet tall. Barely five feet. I have <laughs> made her into a giant in my mind, <laughs> you know, her personality and everything. And then yeah. literally I hugged her at dinner. I go, what? what? What's happening? I don't understand. So to see you dance so powerfully, yeah, it's so yeah. freaking awesome. Like I yeah, just I love, love the way you dance and you just unleash it. your body like that because I'm sure as a person who's not six feet tall, it's nice to feel that power. You know? yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Dance is like you are so in the moment. It is such like a release for me energetically, you know, emotionally. And again, during the pandemic, it was my lifeline. Like my two favorite dance teachers, you know, had classes on Zoom or Instagram Live, and then they started doing classes, you know, outside. And still to this day, every other Saturday, there's Beach Day where we dance in the beach parking lot across the Tower 27. And I live, live for it. And again, the, you know, and I take dance classes, privates and groups. And now that we're back in studio and like my dance family is like, like no other. I mean, it's just such a community of just welcoming and support and fun and joy. And, you know, I've also embraced different styles of dance because I started off as in hip hop. And then now it's like grown to jazz and jazz funk and Broadway and lyrical. And it's actually in these lyrical pieces that we're, you know, that we dance to are very, you know, emotive and tap into so much of the grief and trauma that I hold, right. With the work that I do with my clients and certainly my own grief and trauma too. So it's really been such a journey. It's incredible. Really, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, and grateful for all of these things, you know, that I have been doing to move through this pandemic. And, you know, in my practice, parents were just struggling. I mean, they really just were just like beyond trying to struggle, you know, trying to juggle the family life, the work life, especially when everyone was at home 24-7 and working from home, isolated and lonely. And just like the individual trauma between couples, trauma and families, and the collective trauma that we as a humankind are experiencing. Because what I have, you know, everyone on this planet 
was experiencing the same thing. Like that is mind blowing to me. It is. It's a collective, Everyone on it's a the, collective, a collective trauma. trauma. It's a collective trauma. Yes. And again, like you said, we are just scratching the surface about this, I think, long lasting impact. And, you know, kids and teens that I work with, you know, are withdrawing or they're lashing out. They're having a hard time recovering from social isolation. I always said that quarantine was going to be, was going to be much more simple than reentry. Reentry is so much more complex because of quarantine, everybody was doing the same thing. Yeah. Reentry is so much more complex because every state, every county in a state has different rules and guidelines that are constantly changing. And, you know, you get used to doing things a certain way for two years of a pandemic. And then I'll, you know, it's again, adjustment to change, unknown, unfamiliarity. And so I see a lot of depression and anxiety and obviously a lot of trauma and grief and everybody's healing. Yeah. People are trying to heal and it's a process. Yeah. I like what you're talking about trauma. I had something recently happen where I had, it was a, like a trauma. Like so I had a weird um, guy try to like follow me. I was like trying mm-hmm. to take a hike and this guy was trolling me and following me. And so mm. it was really scary because he kind of kept following me around and in his car and all the things. And uh-huh. it really upset me and that made me scary. feel unsafe. And mm-hmm. what I thought I was doing, Ronnie, was I was being really still and quiet about it. And I was really just kind of thinking, well, I'm giving myself peace and stillness, but really what I was doing was I was in a freeze response because Mm -hmm. in my life being traumatized as a child, I, it was like, go small, be quiet. Don't say Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. because if they don't like, you don't say anything, you don't get hit or you don't, something Mm -hmm. happens to you. Be invisible. Right. Be invisible. So I kind of, I didn't realize I was doing that until my mentor that I work with, Tracy Litt was like, you got to move your body. And I was so mm-hmm. resistant to this, but just in like literally a couple of minutes of moving my body, like, like the tears just started pouring out. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what is the relationship between actual, like you were talking about with dance, mm-hmm. actual physical movement and trauma. Trauma gets stored in the body. And like you said, the freeze response, right? Fight, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Yeah. And part of that freeze response, it just gets stuck. And so sometimes when we don't have the words and our bodies can actually express what it is that we're storing, it is so freeing in that way. So on trauma, a lot of people think that you have to recount all the details of what you've been through to heal from it, but that's not the case. You just need to know, you don't need to relive the trauma to heal from it. So that movement piece is moving the emotions that are stuck in your body. And eventually, if needed, then you can talk about it. So you're moving it up and out almost, yes. right? Like, cause that's what it is too. Like when you're talking about, it's like stuck energy, it's just all stuck, stuck energy, yeah. right? So yeah. when you're moving right? It's you're moving it out of yourself, but it really was crazy because I really was to the point where I was, I would eat and the food would get stuck in my chest. Uh And I was like, why is this food feeling like it's stuck in my chest? Like I could not figure it out. And then just with moving my body, all of a sudden I would eat Uh something and it was totally fine again. So it just shows you how that physical movement, and and these were big, wild movements like that I had to do to like, and you know, we were moving. It was actually amazing to me. It really made me understand that when people talk about that, that they are really, you have to move, like move. Yeah. 
Um, well, and for some to do sometimes you feel like very protective and want to be small, you know, and, you know, and for some, like when I have a client in the room and I can see that they are freezing, that they are not here. Yes. Big movements might be too overwhelming. So sometimes it's just about like a grounding exercise to have them feel themselves in this space, in this moment in time. Right. So it's like, can you feel your feet on the ground? Can you feel your hands on your lap? Can you turn your head slightly? It just depends on who it is. You know, for you in that moment. Yeah. 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 So for you in that moment, it was like something big that was needed. For some people, that's too too much too too soon. Right. I want to ask you about parents. I know you work with a lot of parents and I'm in this group on Facebook. I'm not going to name it because it's sort of like a a private space for me, but it's a parenting group. There's so many on Facebook. Everybody knows, but this specifically is uh, geared towards teen boys. Mm -hmm. And these posts, Ronnie, if I even read one, I'll start crying. Mm -hmm. It is the most devastating thing. These mothers who these boys are refusing to go to school. They are doing drugs. They, they, these women actually feel like they're held hostage in their own homes. Like mm-hmm. they can't get through to these boys. And these boys were once very loving and very kind and all the things. And they're just, this pandemic has done a number on them. They're acting out crazy and making choices, frankly, that are scaring the crap out of their parents because you yep. don't want your kid to make one of those choices that actually is going to affect their future really negatively. So what do you say to parents who are dealing with a kid like that right now? Like, what do we, what kind of hope can we give them? I mean, a lot of these women, I, the kids won't even go to therapy. Like it's kind of hard if they won't even accept the help that you're trying to give. And, you know, we're not all qualified therapists. Hello. So what can we tell these mothers or any mothers who are listening? I often say, look at what's underneath the behavior. Look at what's underneath the behavior. Yeah. Because the behavior is just an expression. It's communicating, you know, their internal world. Because oftentimes, right, you know, coming from fear, we tend to react rather than respond. And so when we understand what is really driving our child's choices Mm -hmm. and really just comment to them and validate how you think they might be feeling if that child doesn't choose to share, and just meeting them there rather than trying to fix it for them. Just letting them know, like, I see you, I hear you, I'm here for you when you are ready is the lifeline that children are looking for. Sometimes it's sharing your own kind of story and struggle when you were an adolescent and about what helped sharing your own kind of experiences of how traumatizing this pandemic was for you and what you did for yourself. Again, be who you want to see for your children to then internalize what it is that you want them, the resources that you want them to have as well. And one of my favorite parenting quotes ever is, and I've shared this with you before, is our children need our loving attention most when they act least deserving of it. Can you say it a little louder? Because for some reason- Sorry. Our children need our loving attention most when they act least deserving of it. Mm. 
acting out is reaching out, whatever that looks like. And so however you can meet them to reach them, that's what they, that's what they need. That's what they want. And so they might not be ready for therapy at that time. You know, they just might be terrified, but it's sometimes even, it's sometimes it's not even in the, in, in the talking. It's sometimes it's just in the being where you're having like a bowl of cereal first thing in the morning and quiet, you know, those tender moments with your, where you're not doing, you're just in the moment with them doing something super simple that becomes so like, those are like your most meaningful, loving memories with your kids. Yeah. But a lot of kids are struggling. A lot of parents are struggling. Like, you know, again, it's, this is, we're just scratching the surface coming out of this pandemic in terms of mental health. I like what you're saying. I think for boys, especially, they don't always yeah. have the language no. to express, you know, their emotions. So sometimes mm-hmm. I will say something to Landon to the effect of like, I, I can imagine how hard this is. I would be feeling mm-hmm. really sad, you know, mm-hmm. if I, you know, were in your shoes, like I really like, I'm proud of you that you're still going to school, even though I know you're having all these feelings and mm-hmm. it's really hard because I'm sure it feels mm-hmm. very raw and like, you don't want people to talk to you about it. And and he'll be like, yeah, like, he'll just say like, yes, that's how I feel. Like he, he, yeah. he doesn't want to talk a ton about it, but I just want him to know that, oh, I see that, you know, yeah. and I'm giving you, you know, words around it, but he seems to be yeah. able to, to express it really well to his friends, but you know, and yeah. he doesn't, I, I want to, I kind of try to open the door and yeah. get him talking because I also think that, you know, the more they just clam up and isolate themselves, the more they just convince themselves, well, this is just me. Like it's yeah. my problem, right? Yeah, they become yeah. very yeah, self-destructive yeah. and very yeah. self, just like really like blaming themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very self-critical. I mean, some of the, some pieces with parents, like for, sometimes it's like not direct eye to eye contact when you're talking to your kids. Sometimes like the car, like you have like the best conversations in the car with teenagers or it's like, taking a walk around the neighborhood or like maybe it's music. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's an article that you just leave, you know, on their bedside table. So some indirect ways of communicating your love and your concern and your support. I mean, honestly, when children feel seen, heard, validated, supported, accepted for who they are, you're not trying to fix them, but trying to support them and give them the resources and skills that they need to navigate this world. Yeah, that's you're on they, the right path. Yeah. yeah, you're on the right path. We, you and I have talked about this many times, and, and this is something I see in the masterminds and in Limitless Warrior. Women have a hard time with the I'm enough thing. This is yeah. like, it's so funny. It's like even people who don't think they have it, when we really boil down all the things, <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh, wait, shit, still gets to that? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. But our worthiness is often, you know, we'll try our worthiness to a job, to money, to their, our family, how well we parent, if our kids go to the right college. We're just tying our worth to that. You're a big believer in choosing yourself. Yes, Choosing ma'am. yourself. What does that look like for you day to day? Because that that choosing yourself is not just a one and done either. It is a, like choosing a yourself daily. is a thing, like a, a constant thing. Yeah, daily commitment. Well, I start my day with meditation and I end my day with gratitude. And in between, I breathe several times during the day. It's just like an automatic thing. I do a lot of mindset work, as you know, which has really changed the narrative in my head about myself 
which then changes the way that I feel, which changes the behaviors and choices that I make. And, you know, as I said, dance and physical movement and exercise are just huge parts of my daily self-care and staying connected to friends and family and surrounding myself with people who lift me up. That is, you know, and really just being very mindful, being in the moment, like, you know, we have family dinners every single night. That's really, really important to me, especially as my boys are getting older. You know, it, it is really like my self-care is non-negotiable, like absolutely non-negotiable unless I am sick, my boys are sick or we're traveling. But even in travel, I will try and zoom into a dance class. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So all I mean, the choosing, all the choosing. All, all the choosing. And, and, and my family also knows it. They're like, mom, are you going to dance now? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You going to Pilates? Yeah. Yeah. And like doing the thing without any guilt. Mommy guilt is huge. I do not feel guilty about taking care of myself because I know when I take better care of myself, I'm a better mother. I'm a better, I'm a better spouse. I'm a better therapist. I'm a better human. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Self-care, non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. How can people work with you, Ronnie? How can they find you? How can they work with you? All the things. Instagram, Family Room LA. And then my my website, uh, familyroomla.com. You can email me there at at that. You'll see my... (laughs) (laughs) You can email me through my website. (laughs) Yes, and do you have anything like Zoom or is it all in-person stuff? It's both. Okay. It's really both. It's Zoom, it's in-person, it's hybrid, you know, whatever really, you know, works for you. And you have some, like you do therapy, but then you also kind of do some courses and some different things or mommy and me stuff groups. Yes. So I have groups, you know, as well that are supporting, you know, mothers. Again, for a really long time, I was focusing on, well, how do you... What if my, all of like the practical stuff of parenting, I've really shifted the focus on really the moms. Who are you? How are you taking care of you? Because they've done this work with me for such a long time. Like they know what to do. They may not think that they do, but they do. It's building that confidence, right? And really just focusing on, you know, your self-care and focusing on, you know, how your past has um, affected your present and what you're looking for in the future. I love it. All right. It's the speed round, Ronnie. Oh, the speed round. It means that you've actually made it through this podcast because I know you're a little nervous, but I I told you it was going to be great. It is. It has been. And I even threw you off with questions that weren't even on your You did. Oh my goodness. Because I knew you could handle it. Okay. (laughs) What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? Ah. I am a warrior woman because I am my authentic self. I am kind and loving and compassionate. I am brave. I am feisty. I am resilient. I am peaceful, blissful, empowered, and rooted. My guiding my feelings and becoming a better version of myself. I love it. Okay. What is a mantra or quote you live by? I have many. Be who you want to see, which I mentioned earlier. Choose love, choose kindness, choose you. Turn challenge into connection, choice and change. Heal your past, live in the present, actualize your future. 
Ooh, I like that. You like that one? I do. What makes you feel unstoppable? Believing in myself, honoring who I am and who I want to be. My husband, my two boys, and my tribe of like-minded, soulful women. And dance. And dance. What are you most <laughs> what are you most proud of? Oh, hands down, my family and myself. The work you're doing alone is insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've already yeah. told you how amazed I am by you. Yeah. What is exciting you the most right now? Well, Wine Weekend is coming up on Memorial Weekend. This has been a tradition for, this will be our ninth annual one. We continued it even during the pandemic. What's it called? Wine a Weekend. <laughs> Wine a Weekend? Wine a Weekend. So my bubble family, it was her 40th birthday nine years ago. And her husband threw like a big party in Los Olivos where we wine tasted. And it has just become like this annual tradition where we just gather. And sometimes it's a small group, sometimes it's bigger. And we have never missed one. All of the, you know, wineries that we go to, they know us. Like our kids have grown up with us. They know the routine. I mean, it's just so fun and it's beautiful and there's a lot of laughing. We play games. I mean, it's just, it's like one of my favorite times of the year. And so that's coming up soon. So I'm very excited about that. And summer travels, I'm very excited about not going to Italy yet, but will. And, you know, just becoming who I'm meant to be, becoming her, the woman in my vision, and also witnessing my boys becoming their best selves. I'm really excited about, and, and certainly, you know, my thriving practice, the soulful work that I'm doing, you know, with grief and trauma. I, it's really, I am proud, you know, of this, of just making such an impact in changing lives one mom at a time. You're doing it, changing lives one mom at a time. And bravo you for actually putting the focus back on the moms, because as you yeah. know, you know, the kids need attention, of course, but really, Absolutely. you know, as moms, we are the heart of the house. And so when we, we turn the focus to us and work on ourselves, yeah. we, everybody else benefits. Bravo you for that. So thank you so much, Ronnie, for joining me today. I absolutely, this exceeded every expectation. Of- <laughs> How did thank you, you my love. Ronnie? I did. <laughs> I did. Thank you for being on today. Oh my God. You're very welcome. It is my absolute pleasure. I'm very grateful. Thank you. And maybe you can come back. We can have other topics we discuss. Great. I would love to do that. Okay. Open door policy for only for you. Okay, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.